Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. It's October 5th, 1789, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that a market trader started banging a drum in the middle of a Parisian square, launching a chain of events which would eventually end 100 years of Versailles rule. And when I heard that you wanted to cover a woman's march, because that's what this drum-banging lady led to, I sort of assumed the woman's march on Versailles must be an early version of like a woman's lib march or a suffrage march or something like that, but... It's not about women's rights, really, is it? Except uh, in terms of women as head of the household, running the kitchen, feeding the family. Because actually, it was a reaction to the grain shortage. Yeah, and it came on the back of what was known as both the Flower Wars and the Wheat Riots that had sort of happened over the period from kind of 1775 onwards, where gradual declines of various kinds in production of grain in conjunction with uh, the growing French population had created a strain on resources that meant that bread was in really short supply. And this day was the day that one woman in particular and then more women around her who'd gone off to buy bread decided that enough was enough and the head of the king must roll. Or at least roll back to Paris, because their main objection <laughs> was the fact that King Louis XVI and his family, including obviously the much detested Marie Antoinette, were living in the court at Versailles, which was seen as debauched and out of touch. And there was seen still as. this feeling. Cause- was, come on. <laughs> <laughs> living in comparative luxury in the Palace of Versailles. <laughs> yeah. Is there, is there anything more synonymous with debauchery? The, the allegedly debauched Palace of Versailles. <laughs> Too much journalist in you still, Rebecca. (laughs) Surrounded by their modest gold-leaf decorations. (laughs) Well, where we are in the French Revolution is in this really weird time, because I think people forget that the French Revolution actually took quite a long time to happen. It wasn't just everyone Mm. jumped into the palace and guillotined the king. At this point, the king was still the king. He was still in his palace at Versailles. And we'd already had the storming of the Bastille as well. Yeah, just two months earlier. I mean, that's crucial. Because some of the people involved in this protest had been there. It was fairly clear that their intentions were serious. So at this time, France basically still seemed to be heading towards a constitutional monarchy along British lines. And the National Assembly, who were the parliament, were also based in Versailles. And so at the time, a lot of the normal people of France still had this idea that the king was still the father to the nation, that he'd been led astray by his advisers, by Marie Antoinette. And if they could just get him to listen to them then he would solve their problems and he would come back to Paris and be among the people. And so that's what the march started as, although it was quickly infiltrated by the revolutionaries who saw this obviously as an opportunity to kind of corner the king. Yeah, I mean, you say it was started that way. I suppose we'll never really know what the intentions of the woman were because her name has been lost to history. You know, it's like the, the comparison, I suppose, is with, in modern day, Mohamed Bouazizi, who was the Tunisian fruit and vegetable vendor who set himself on fire and kick-started the Arab Spring. But we know his name. I mean, I just said it, right? So we know what he thought, but her name isn't even recorded to history, is it? We don't know 
who she was, why she was banging a drum. She was obviously hungry. The price of bread had risen to around 80% of the average wage. So we know what she was angry Mm. about, but it got hijacked, this protest. Yeah, and you can tell that it moved a bit beyond its original remit because the original band of women at the market went to the Hôtel de Ville, like the the place where the Parisian mayor is based, and they demanded the city release its supplies of bread. So that was kind of, you know, basically an open-shut case, give us the bread. Mm. But they got no response. And then apparently somebody started shouting to Versailles, to Versailles, which was 12 miles away. And then they decided that they would head to Versailles and confront the National Assembly and the king in person. But crucially, at this juncture, the growing crowd, which was about 5,000 people, were joined by 15,000 National Guardsmen who were being led reluctantly by the Marquis de Lafayette. He was one of the heroes of the American Revolution, and he really did not think that the army should be getting involved in this protest. But this feeling was so strong among the military that he decided he had to go to prevent a mutiny. So by this point, you've got upwards of 30,000 people by the time they get to Versailles who have joined this protest with all kinds of motives, and crucially, some of them with pikes and swords and even some cannon that they had taken from the Hotel de Ville. <laughs> it does feel a bit like, I'm sorry to make you know modern comparisons all the time that maybe don't withstand scrutiny, but it feels a bit like the March on the Senate, doesn't it? It feels that there was a sort of drain the swamp mm. vibe because you had all these people that were angry but for different reasons, but also there was a falsehood at the root of it, which is a lot of people believed a false starvation plot. They believed that the aristocrats weren't just indifferent to their plight or ignorant of it or rich and selfish, they thought they deliberately hoped to kill off the peasant population by creating poor harvests. That's yeah. what a lot of people believed. And as soon as someone said to Versailles, everyone was like, yes, we're good. And, but, you know, there was not anything backing that up. I agree. I saw that parallel as well. And I thought that, that like that sort of conspiratorial undertone was a real kind of connection between the capital riot and this. Also underpinning it was this media fanned furore. So another kind of parallel between then and now, where apparently there'd been this royal banquet to welcome new troops in the Palace of Versailles. And at that banquet, people were eating and drinking and making merry while the rest of the population was struggling with their food supply. And apparently people were being lewd and crude with the flag of the nation. And it's hard to detach what came in as kind of media hyperbole from reality but people had been whipped up into this frenzy that led to this march. So basically what happened is six women had been granted an audience with King Louis XVI himself. He actually ordered the stores of Versailles to be open to the rioters and attempt to calm the tensions. He was so persuasive and charming that the women fainted at his feet, at least the way that history recalls it. <laughs> yeah, there's he was just- a big celebrity. Like, I mean, you can passionately be angry about something, but if you get to meet the king in the palace, that morning you were banging a drum in a, in a, in a market, you haven't eaten for two weeks, you'd be a bit Yeah, fainty. that's probably what was underpinning yeah. it, really. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't work. I mean, he tried to pacify the protesters. Some of them did go home, I understand, but blood was shed the next morning, wasn't mm. it? Six in the morning, uh, the crowd broke into the palace. They weren't really looking for the king, actually. They were looking for Marie Antoinette. One of them was heard to say, kill, kill, we want to cut off her head cut out her heart, and fry her liver. Oof. Antoinette escaped, apparently, by going through a secret passageway to the king's bedchamber. Otherwise, she may well have ended up with her head on spikes, (laughs) as happened to two of the guards. 
who did lose their lives. And knowing that this had happened makes it even more incredible what happened later on that day, which is that King Louis XVI appeared on the balcony and told the crowd that he had decided that the royal family would return to Paris. But then the crowd were calling for Marie Antoinette. The Mm. king disappeared. And then out comes Marie Antoinette, who stood on the balcony facing these people, some of whom were armed with guns. Mm. And she basically just made an appeal to them. From behind her children, (laughs) mind you. (laughs) So she had a bit of a buffer between her and the muskets. (laughs) (laughs) And she was able to appease the crowd, who ended up cheering for her. I've got to say, one thing that emerges from this story, and it might just be because a lot of time has passed and historical accounts can be quite conflicting, but it does feel like this crowd was very up and down. But that's consistent with all these various different elements being part of the crowd, isn't it? They didn't quite know what they wanted, apart from they wanted to not be hungry anymore. Even when they got the king to agree to come back with them, something of the menace lingered. Like, there was apparently celebration and this royal parade was held back from Versailles to Paris. But amid it all, there was gunfire, there were these two heads on pikes, there were bullets whizzing over the head of the king. So I think that he probably knew, even at this point, that he wasn't off the hook at this stage. But actually, he didn't know as much as he should have done. I mean, that's the point about Louis XVI, isn't it? If he'd have known a little bit more about what his people wanted, he would have been in Paris in the first place. That was their argument. Come to Paris and Mm, understand what we're going through. And I'm not saying you deserve what happened to him in the end, which, you know, spoiler, if you haven't followed the French Revolution, head (laughs) off. But I mean... It happened because he was so unaware of how the public were feeling. And that's what makes the departure from Versailles so symbolic as well. It had not only become a byword for, you know, debauchery, allegedly, um, but also... <laughs> but, but also I have probably, a gold mirror. <laughs> and I worked very hard for it, thank you. <laughs> well, but also it had become an emblem of the vast inequality in the country. So the return of the king to Paris, which was really like, you know, the seat of the revolution, was seen as being a massive step forward. Although... You'll be pleased to know that they weren't thrown into some sad little maid's chamber in the, you know, the attic of a little townhouse. They were instead relocated to the Palace of the Tuileries, which hadn't been used as a royal palace for decades. So I'm sure it needed tons of work. <laughs> Queen Victoria would have had some interesting stuff to say about that. I was just waiting for you to hear the voice. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it might go a little something like this. <laughs> this is splendid and that is splendid. <laughs> One for the long-term fans. (laughs) Tomorrow. I reckon at a certain point, she was probably sat in the wings and she couldn't even tell anymore whether she was in the play or not. (laughs) Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hulu.